Welcome back to another episode of Michael Motivates. And this is a special podcast for me. Um, I'm bringing my cousin, Govinda, who I haven't spoken to. Well, I've been speaking to him recently throughout this year. But prior to that, we haven't really, we spoke, but not, um, not as much as we speak now. And as we kept in contact throughout this year, I've learned a lot, a lot of things I was shocked about. And um, he now, you know, we speak regularly because he confines in me sometimes just wanting to talk. And, you know, him dealing with mental health, which I didn't know, and me dealing um, with mental health and, and my pursuit and overcoming it, uh, he asked to come on my podcast. I thought that was a great idea for him to come on so we could talk. And so I want to welcome my cousin, my younger cousin, Govinda G. Carter, or G as I call him, or Govinda. Uh, What's up, hey, G? What's up, cousin? How you doing, Chris? How you doing, Chris? I love you. I appreciate this opportunity, too. Nah, no problem, man. I appreciate you, you know, actually pitching this to me. It's crazy because sometimes we don't realize that our blessings are right in front of us. And, and when we take the time to ask, you know, if you're into asking, the, talking to the universe, you talk to the sun, I talk to God, you ask him for things. And I had asked him for, asked him for wisdom to help me find guests for my podcast. And when you wait patiently, he'll answer, but you got to be able to capture what you're asking for. And I captured it in the moment that we were talking. And that's why I said, I had to think about it. Because when I was thinking about it, I had to reflect back on what I asked for. Uh, uh. So let me, well, can I, can, I, can I just say something about that? Uh, Carlos Santana mm -hmm. from the Bay Area, from Tampa, you know. Come to the mic or come, come closer. Oh, sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Okay, yeah. Carlos Santana, the great guitarist, mm -hmm. one of his quotes is Life has gifts and places gifts all around you all the time are you open and ready to receive them mm, right that's true so it's like everything we need is always an armed reach a mm -hmm. touch away a talk away a word mm -hmm. away a mm -hmm. dance away uh you know what i'm saying a lyric away whatever it is it's so close you don't even realize it till you really start opening your mind and understanding all the possibilities and all the options so i just want to say like i I just learned that too. Yeah. You learn things on your journey in life, man. It's like, um, it's like when you walk, walk on a trail and when you walk on a trail, you know, you might be looking for different things just to capture in the moment. You could be looking for mm. sunlight. You could be looking for the water or you could just be looking for just hope. Mm. And like you said, it's right there in front of you to capture. You could just be walking and, sit down next to a person yeah and strike up the conversation and little do you know that that person was waiting for you to come sit next to them mm. and give you some courage that you needed or just to strike up a conversation like you said you everything is right there in front of you it could be a phone it could be a person that could be saving your life right there in front of you, you just don't know you got to be open to it mm. and a lot of times we we close ourselves to that yes emotionally we close ourselves i think the emotions are the ones that shut us off right are the mm -hmm. ones that tell us not to pursue or not to look or not to observe or not to analyze you know and we're emotional beings right so i understand exactly the challenges that present 
you know, because say you have a bad day, right? Your head's down. You're not looking up. You, you're thinking about the bad experience all day. Now, what opportunity do you have to look at something nice, look at something that might make you feel better, right? What, what opportunity do you have at that point to think about beautiful thoughts, amazing ideas, right? So that one emotion blocked, right, your limitation or blocked your, your opportunities that can help change what you want. Does that make sense? So it's like, I've, I've, I've understood that controlling, not, not shutting them down or ignoring them, but listening to them and keeping them there and then finding confirmation. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Sometimes you got to wait for the confirmation to come to confirm what you're looking for, what you're asking for. Exactly. Um, but you had, you, you've had an interesting journey and, you know, we're, we're, I got you by some years. <laughs> I'm not going to say how many, but I learned some things about you that I didn't know. And what you've been able to do is use your experience. You, you've been able to use your things that you've gone through in life that affected you mentally. You've now been able to use it for, you know, fulfilling your purpose with your art, uh, with, you know, with your art graphics and, and your music. I want to talk about when you were homeless, which was very shocking to me mm. because, you know, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I never would imagine my cousin, you know, that I've you know known since he was first born that he was homeless at one point. And that kind of hurt because I was like, wow, well, where was I and why, you know, didn't I? Why didn't I stay in touch with him? You know, the things that you spoke to me about were really, were really touching. And I, I want you to, to speak upon that. Like, how did, you know, how did you get to that point where you were homeless and, and you said to yourself, like, I can't continue to live like this. And, you know, I got to I got to change my life. I got to I got to change my life for the better because wow. I see a better future for me. I think before I could explain that, I have to explain how I became homeless. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, first, first, when you become homeless, you feel like it's your fault. You feel like there's something wrong with you. You feel like you're, you know, you're inadequate. You're not good with society. You know what I'm saying? You're not up to snuff with everybody else. You're below standard, you know? So when I first became homeless, I was living with under a slumlord who made me feel like I was damn near homeless. He wouldn't fix the roof. It was leaking. We had all type of bug problems. And at this time, you know, I was living in a low income apartment complex that wasn't really healthy on a conscious level, you know, for my kind. So it was at a point where I felt like it was the better option, right? To be homeless than to live in a place where you had to pay all this rent and they didn't respect you. And um, so I ended up fighting with this guy, not, not, not physically but just verbally just trying to get him to fix the apartment and then when I left lawyers contact me to tell me that there was a wrongful eviction right so I'm evicted on the streets but at the same time it was a a sense of like I had to understand the thought of being homeless was actually more scary than actually being homeless mm. I just have to say that so whenever you face something you're scared of right? It makes you stronger. I was scared to be homeless, but I didn't want to live where I was living, right? So if your circumstances get so bad that you have to move 
to a space that you're scared to go, right? That just says that where you're at is really, really bad and really toxic, mm -hmm. right? So once I became homeless, there was a certain burden that was left, right? Where I didn't have to worry about a landlord. I didn't worry about rent. I didn't have to worry about dealing with this guy who wasn't gonna fix my apartment, who was stressing me out, right? Um, but at the same time, it was really rough, right? Because looking around and sleeping in the back of your truck, that does something to you for a while. That makes you be like, what are people thinking? What are people saying? How am I? Maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. Right. And then after a while, you realize this isn't that bad. It can get worse, but this isn't that bad. I got my health, right? I got my mind, and I can always make it better mm. because it could always be worse. Even when you're homeless, you might have a blown tire and you can't move the truck. You know what I mean? Like, it could always be worse. So you wait. So you, so you were living in your truck and you were saying to yourself, it could, it could be a lot worse than this. It could be a lot worse than this. Wow. Because one, what if my truck didn't work? What if I had a tire? What if I didn't have a truck? There were some people outside who didn't even have a car to sleep in. I, I was instantly observing that. I'm not the worst one. So once you stop putting yourself in a victim space, right? Because I was all like, oh, this is me. This is how, how it's happening to me, 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 me. Okay, maybe it happened for a reason. Maybe it's God's plan, right? Maybe you need to learn something. Maybe you need to be stronger. Maybe, whatever it is, you got to get out that victim space. That, that's, that's very key, getting out that victim space, because I'm going to tell you, when I was assaulted by the security guard and I faced that physical trauma, automatically, when I was going through my therapy, I was saying I was the victim, which I was. And therapy and visiting different types of therapists, even to this day, there are, it's there are things that I always feel like I'm the victim, even though you might not be the victim, but in your mm -hmm. mind, you're the victim because of your past experiences, your past situations. Mm -hmm. And it plays in your head. It's like, it, it sticks in your head like people are coming to get you or this, this is your fault. Even though it's not your fault. It could not be your fault. Sometimes it's not your fault. It's never your fault. It's never your fault. And that's, and that's the thing. If we knew better, we would do better as yeah. people. Nobody wants to do the worst thing for them. <laughs> like nobody wants, no, nobody grows up and says, I'm going to be an effed up person. You know what I'm saying? Like we are who we are. But, but, I, but I just want to say too, if, if you want to explain that situation better, where you say, you know, I can't be a victim anymore when you stop looking for help and start trying to help yourself, right? I got to take it back further and say, before I got evicted, I went to a, a suicidal episode that I made it out different and better before the eviction. So I just want to say, like, if I didn't have that experience, the homelessness might not have been a good experience for me. Mm. So... Six months before I got evicted, uh, I had a, you know, it was around New Year's, around January, where the year turns, it's a brand new year, everybody's thinking about things that they don't normally think about throughout the year that you think about in the beginning of the year, if that makes sense, you know. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I woke up the next new year with no family, not really, you know, being in contact with my dad, not being in contact with my mom, I have no family in California, 
Uh, I'm out in a new city in Sacramento for my son just because I'm going through it with his mom, with none of my friends from Oakland. And I realized that I don't have nobody. I'm alone. Mm. I got a kid, but like I could die in this apartment and they won't find my body for three to five months just because they got to evict me. And then they're going to say, oh, that's so sad. I was wondering what happened to that kid. I can't believe he died. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are things I don't think about. Where, what if I died and my kid's one or two and he's here and how could, no nobody's here to call his mama and say it's all bad or anything could happen to you. I go to jail for nothing and nobody's going to call. And nobody's going to call. And I, I didn't know. No, no. And I know. I'm not mad. It's just like, trust me, because like, my parents are from there, came all the way to the di different coast, had me. And then when I got certain age, okay, we out. We we over here now. We we back to where we from. Well, I ain't from there. <laughs> hmm. You know, so I had a situation where it's like, I don't know if I want to be in this world no more. I don't know if I want to try because what I got to do is too hard. Like, I don't know if I could do it just to get back okay. Because the situation you was in with, 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 with. The girl. The yeah, my son's mom. Your son's mom. Being alone, being in a new city with nobody I know, having no family in California, and having a job that I hated where I had to wash RVs every single day for minimum wage that I had to walk a mile and a half or a half a mile to, right? And then I'm going through court battles with my son. Nobody's showing up with me. I'm there by myself. She got 10 brothers and sisters. Who the mm -hmm. judge gonna believe? This is six months before all that. So I'm telling you, I wouldn't have handled the homelessness, right? If I didn't have this situation mm. that changed me as a person in the core, mm. right? That had me say in the core of myself, you ain't a victim, man, right? And to come to that realization, I had to, me personally, I had to go through that suicidal episode and kill the person I didn't like, meaning, okay, what have I did wrong? What have I not liked up to this point? What can I do different? Because at the point, like, I'm going to tell you, I had all these reasons why I was going to end my life and, you know, all these reasons why it wasn't going to work, right? And I had one reason that I wasn't cool with leaving this earth. That was my son. My two-year-old son, I don't want him to know his dad went out like that. That's not mm -hmm. a good example to say. If I tell him not to give up and he found out his dad gave up, what, what, what kind of message is that? So right. I had 55 million reasons, right? Why I should just say, you know what, I'm out. And then I had this one reason at the last moment, it came to my head at the last moment, the night I was convinced, like, I'm not doing no more. I'm out tonight. That night I came up with that one reason. That one reason. That one reason, fam. That one reason of hope. Of hope. That one reason that said, you're not okay with that. You're not okay with this one action if it's gonna have this effect and this reaction and this consequence. So if you're not okay with this, and I, trust me, when I found that out, I was trying to talk myself out of it, right? You don't wanna be, it, it hurts to be better. It hurt, like, I, I don't wanna be here. I, I'm already convinced. I made my mind up, I'm out. Hmm. That one reason. That's why I tell my son, you, you my superhero fam. Hmm. So what, how, how long were you homeless for? I was homeless for three months, ended up moving all the way to North Carolina to my sister, because my sister said, I'm tired of you being homeless. Can you come out here and you can live with me? Keep in mind, my son here in California. I pack up my Suburban, drive all the way to North Carolina, 
become a security guard, make a little money. But guess what? I ain't got my son. The one reason why I'm still here, yeah. I ain't got my son. So at that point, I had this heart, this, this hole. So I had to go all the way back, knowing I was going to be homeless again. So I drove all the way back to California homeless. I don't know if that's the same time or the, whatever, right? But I had to go back to be homeless again. But I was like, okay, if I'm going to be homeless this time, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to go to school and be homeless. I'm not going to just be homeless and out there, right? I'm going to be mm-hmm. homeless and go to school. And and because and, in that situation, just to go back, when I made it out that, that suicidal time, it was like, okay, if I'm going to be on this earth, what I'm going to do? I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to be a great dad. Those are the only two things I'm going to focus on. I ain't going to focus on money. I'm not going to focus on status quo, nothing. It's those two things. That helped you survive, those yes. two things. Yes. Like, if I'm going to be in this earth, if I'm going to be on this world, what are you going to do? Be a dope dad and be a dope artist. That's it. So when I came back, right, that was on my mind. I got to be a son. I mean, a dope dad to my son. And I got to be a dope artist to be okay. Because that's what I'm going to do on this earth to occupy my time is art. Well, I'm not being a dad, I'm doing it. I'm be an artist. If I'm doing that or that, I'll be happy. Anything else, I don't know. It's iffy. <laughs> it's iffy. And you and and you att- and you had decided to attend school. Yes. So right when I got back, I went to uh, school for the arts. You know, SAE Institute, mm-hmm. sound engineer, or it's like sound. Uh, it's, it's it's film sound it's, you know people can look it up if they want to but i went there and they gave me a certain amount of equipment they said i get studio time and they said i got access to the best teachers for music i said what i'm here i can live in the parking lot did you tell them your situation or you hid that from oh, them? no i told them i, I told them. them i told them because i took courage them, i said if because at this time i had no 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 shame right mm-hmm. hey that's one thing when you were homeless you ain't got no shame you could live in the present. I was running around so much. When you're homeless, you kick it with other homeless people hmm. who just want to kick it and have a good time because they going through it too. Hmm. That's what I learned. The nicest people ain't got it. You know how many times homeless people are like, oh, we eat something? Oh, uh, we got this. You need it? Hmm. Oh, um, we notice you live on the street now. We just all want to meet you to see if you was cool. Now, really? Yeah. Now wow. we know. So so when you away, let us know. We're going to watch your shit. Wow. Because that's all they could do. That's their best chance to survive. Yeah. You know and, that, and that survival mentality, it gave you courage to go after the things that you wanted to achieve, but also be of, but also have confidence really to speak of your situation to the school mm-hmm. and not hold back from, not hold yourself back you know, from, from achieving what you're going after. So basically you didn't limit yourself to what you could do. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is once you go to a place where you break yourself down, right. All you're trying to do is do those two things as hard as you can. Right. So it's like, if I'm going to be a dad, I got to be okay. I got to be happy. I got to have some money. I got to have a career. So what can I do to make myself better in this art shit? Cause I'm not making money right now. I'm not doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I can't have one without the other. I can't be a good dad, not happy. Right. And I can't be happy without being a good dad. So I need the art. So I said, look, I'm going to see my son and my kids as much as possible while I'm in school. But this is what I'm here for. So 
while other kids can't wait to get out of class because they want to go home and play video games? I slept in the parking lot. I had nowhere to go. I'm there listening, soak, soaking it all up, staying after class. Hey, teacher, you want to call me in the studio? I got a studio session book. Mm-hmm. Who do you think was learning faster? Who do you think was progressing? I don't care. Yes, I'm homeless. Nigga, that's why I'm here all the time. Mm. I, I, I had other kids staying there just to be in my studio sessions because I'll be there up until 3 a.m. So other kids were finding inspiration. They were finding motivation yes. in you. Yes, and I'm like, I don't have anything else to do. This is my life. I know you're here trying to learn, but but I don't I don't know. I sleep in the car to do this, to learn this. So I ain't got to sleep in the car no more. Hmm. So while you up there drawing on your notepad, I'm making beats, writing rhymes, and paying attention in class. It's a different, it's a different mindset. It's a different mindset. And and that mindset helped you to open up new doors or new opportunities because then you began to meet new people. How was it during that time for you with trying to not only spend time with your your son, um, mm. but also go into that next chapter where now I'm, I'm working on me to getting better. When did you say, all right, you know, when did you take the, the limit off and say, I got to do this now? I, I got I to gotta get me a place. Like, was there somebody that gave you a chance that, that helped you out? Nah, fam. It's, it's, see, the, the first thing I had to realize was I've never been passionate about something before, right? Until this, this, this moment. So I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about passionate about my kids, passionate about the art, right? Where it wasn't, I got to stop this and do that. It was like, whenever I got an opportunity to be better, I just take it by the hour. You know what I'm saying? Not even on no long-term nothing. Like, like when I was homeless, you know how people live day to day, week to week, check to check. I was live 15 minutes by 15 minutes. You'd be like, what you doing 15 minutes after this? I don't know. <laughs> I could focus on 15 minutes at a time. You know what I'm saying? And in these 15 minutes, I'm going to take every opportunity to make myself better. And whatever comes in, I'm going to do it, whether it's go see my son, whether it's, you know, because at the time it was like, you know, I was telling their moms, you know, if they need me, if y'all need me to come, whatever, help out, whatever, let me know. I could arrange it. I'm in school. I'm here for you, too. So, you know, I had to turn it into put your emotions aside about how you feel about their mom. Right. Use whatever opportunity you can to see and be around your kids. Right. Because at the end of the day, my son who's seven now, he remembers that experience. So when I tell him we're going to make things better, he believed it. He's seen it. When I say, oh, remember I came to your soccer games and I was homeless? I still ain't going to miss those soccer games. Wow. <laughs> you feel me? So it was like, I couldn't make music if I wasn't being a good dad. Right? I couldn't learn in school if I wasn't doing my, you know, trying to be better with my kids too. Right? So that's the thing I learned. Once I made that decision way back then off those two things, being an artist and being a dad, everything got easy. I didn't care. Shame for what? This is for my life. Shame for what? This is for my kids. Shame for what? This is for my art. Shame for what? This is for my son. I got no shame in that. I ain't got no ego. You only got shame if you got an ego. Hmm, I got no ego. But did you you did you ever have your moments of like of mental breakdown? Of no, for sure, for sure. Of like, I don't know. Did you did you have self doubt? You know, for sure. Because sure. a lot of times when you're alone and 
you don't have nobody to talk to, you know, especially family, you could start to feel the effects of, you know, the, the self-doubt can come in and, and the, uh, no, for sure. I'm happy. And the, and the darkness, you know, like sometimes you don't see a way out. How did, like, how did you go through those moments of despair? And, and that's the, that's the one advantage I think I had, like, I'm an artist with an outlet, right? So when times get hard, that's when I really be a rock star. You know what I'm saying? Like for an artist, when things ain't right in the world, you always got your art and that's gonna be right. <laughs> so what, what, what people don't get who aren't artists are like for us, it's just what we have to do to be okay, right? So, you know, if you listen to my music, a lot of those songs I wrote when I was home, right? A lot of those songs I wrote just to be okay just to analyze myself, just to see if there was some inside of me that was dope, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you don't have people around you and you're lonely, you could do something really tight in art and nobody's going to confirm it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody's going to be like, bro, that was dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, I don't even care if it's dope or not. Like, I'm, I'm already past that. Like, of course, I have a certain ear, you know what I'm saying? Very picky because I can't rap or really keep my attention unless it's dope right but it it helped me to get past what people thought about my music because it's not for them it's for me to give to you it's not for you to give to me to give to you it's for me to give to you right, right. so how are you gonna tell me what i'm giving to you what i made right and and i'm not saying i don't want to hear people's feedback i do but i'm not gonna let it affect my artistry and my craft and how I go about it. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like the fact that I didn't, I, I didn't have people to talk to when I was super lonely and I was, that's when I found my pen because I used to just make beats. Now it's like I had a voice. Now I had something to say. I had a craft that had to get crafted because of these experiences for me to be okay. Right. Right. So it's just therapy. You know what I'm saying? So people look at his art, a commodity or a service, but that's just, for me, that's just the dance I do to be okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, in, in, your, in your darkest times of despair is when you find your creativity. Yes. And it's something about writing. And I, and I truly believe it, this is one of the gifts in our family. And that's why you got to really learn about your family history. It, it's very, now I see why people say it's very important to learn about your family history. Because our grandfather was a writer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was a writer and wrote a book, very established in the Episcopal Church. I think grandma was a writer, but grandma could draw also. She was a very good drawer. Yes, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't she know was that. a very good drawer. Your dad writes. Mm -hmm. I write. Mm -hmm. Your brother writes. My brother writes. But we all have different writing styles. But it all started with our grandfather. Now, I, I want to take I want to even take more time to learn about his father, because there's probably something there that we don't know. But what I'm saying is that the pen to the paper is so therapeutic. And I didn't know I, I had it in me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take you back because there was I didn't listen to grandma. And what I mean by I didn't know I had it in me. Grandma was the one that told me years ago that. I was a good writer and I should continue writing. She told me this when I was in high school. And once I graduated high school, I, I had stopped writing. And it wasn't until I was going through my darkest times with, you know, depression and, and anxiety and, and 
you know, the suicidal thoughts and, and writing my book, that's when I realized, you know, the writing was saving me, it was saving my life. Yeah. And it saved your life because you were able to write your write your voice like your voice was speaking through the pen. Yeah. And I think that's so important, you know, for people to understand, to find, you know, they can still find their their purpose in life, no matter how dark of a time they might be going through. Yeah. And yeah. When, when you were going through your moments and when you were writing, how, how good did it feel? to write what you were feeling like you were letting it out yes yes. how 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 good did it feel you know it was one of those things come to the mic it was one of those things where uh you once you state something and it's really how you feel there's so much power in it whether you write it down or just say it but if you write it down and record it right it brings it into existence right so mm. what I realized, and it's, it's interesting you brought that up because I was thinking about that too. It's like granddad probably started writing because he he couldn't talk how he wanted to talk back in those days. Mm -hmm. So we had to figure out a way to get his words out to express himself, even if he had to write a speech for somebody else to say. Mm -hmm. It was what he wanted to express or is he how, you know, he had to figure out that articulation, right? To communicate it, to get it out to as many people as possible. Right. And it's like my dad, something was in him where he had to articulate whatever to get it out to as many people as possible. You're the same way. I'm the same way. So it's like it's so much power in just writing down what you want to do for the day. Yeah. Right. And just mm -hmm. at the end of the day to see what well, I did all of it or I did one of it or I didn't do any of it. Just to have that analyst or analysis of you and your action is powerful, is introspective, is therapeutic, right? So it's like, when you say something to hold yourself to it, that's power. So when you write something and record it, you instantly do that. There's no power in saying anything. Like if I say it's snowing in California and Sacramento right now, there's no power in that. Nobody believes me. I lose power. My word lose power after that. Like it's bad. It never snows in Sacramento. Everybody know that, right? So it's like when you put that pen to the pad and you express yourself and you stand by it and people connect with it or appreciate it or it actually helps them, that gives more benefit and more satisfaction and more merit to what you do and confirmation that you should keep doing it again. Yeah. For a person who's lonely, or by themselves, or sometime, or in some time a solitary situation, how do you get out of that? You start connecting, right? So I would connect with people who I didn't even know. I walk down the street and just start, what's up, man? How you? Okay, yeah, yeah. Just to feel that connection. Yeah. Slowly but surely, I start building friends. Now I walk and I have a conversation. It take me 25 minutes to walk down a five-minute street, you know what I'm saying, to go to the store. I know five people that just be there, right? <laughs> they know me. They know all the stuff. I know not 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 all the stuff, but we know enough to know yeah. we gonna see each other. But that's a connection. How could I feel lonely if I could connect with the world anytime I want, right? So as an artist, that's the kind of hunger you develop, and the only way you get to uh, fulfill that hunger as a writer is to write. However, whether it's raps, books. Articles, speeches, poems, 
haikus, soliloquies, whatever, right? We, as, like, I have kids. I see my kids get power in just learning how to talk. My son's learning how to read. Now he thinks he tied it, he read everything. <laughs> that says bread truck, daddy. It's bread. Okay. You think you tight? <laughs> I should feel word, tight. The words are powerful. It's powerful. Yeah, once. Yeah. You know, uh, I recently put my son on a song, right? Where he recorded his verse, his, I mean his voice on a song, and he hears it, and that's power to him. <laughs> power. And he just says, You can't stop me. That's all he <laughs> said. And he really believes it every time he hears it. He I put that song, he run around the house. You can't stop me. Mm. it's power now say if i told him not to talk he would be powerless say if i never let him record his verse and hear them words he wouldn't have that power he wouldn't think he was different and there's power in difference and individuality and accepting your individuality expressing it stating it communicating it documenting it right and for me i was so different so weird that me trying to fit in i think draw brought me to that suicidal place and then and I don't have to fit in it. I could be me, got me out of that place where I'm like, wow. And this is one of the ways I express the individual part, just like you. You're going to write it down. Like there's times my ex would be like, ah, yeah, yeah. well, uh, listen to all my songs. I don't even say anything like that. I say the opposite. So how can this be true? I've been rapping this thing before I met you. So there's power in the consistency in your words, right? So I just want to say like, you know, there was times where I didn't understand this and that was the darkest place. Even though I would do it and this is what I would do, I didn't understand it. It was still, you know, and then I'd be like, oh yeah, I go to the studio when I feel like this. Oh yeah, I make music when I feel like this, right? So I just want to say like, the reason why my times aren't as dark, right? I still have hard times and challenges, but I accept these challenges. These are the problems I want, right? And I think, before I understood these are the problems I want, it was dark times. Like I wanted to be homeless going to school, looking back. After all it did and all it gave me, I wanted that. I wanted the experience of being suicidal because that wasn't working who I was before. You know what I'm saying? So looking back, I wanted all that, but it was dark times, you know what I'm saying? And then I remember, you know, just, just looking back, right? When I got out that suicidal time, I ended up getting my whole neck tatted. That was 18 hours. And at that point, I didn't see nobody for three weeks. I was in that little depression stage. So when I first saw somebody, it was a tattoo artist. And that was the first time somebody touched me, right? So it was like that pain felt good, right? Because I wasn't numb no more. Does that make sense? Yeah, you've you, you said that to me before. Explain that about being numb and and using that to your advantage to not let not let your fears or think something's going to mm. come out like the outcome you're you're, mm. you're scared of you know the outcome or the results but you said if you're numb use that to your advantage because you're not going to care what the outcome is going to be yes and that's not good you want you want to you want to be sensitive to the situation you want to be present you want to be there you want to know you want to under like like and i'm saying i was numb because i was before I was trying to be like everybody else. I was trying to look like everybody else. I was numb to who I wanted to be. I was numb to how I was feeling. If I didn't like a feeling, I'd just be numb to it. You know what I'm saying? And this is an experience where I couldn't be numb to nothing. 
I'm a neck person. I'm sensitive on my neck. It's 18 hours. This guy is, is having a needle putting the art that I drew on my neck that I really want. What, you not going to stand here for take this? This is you. After it was done, I looked in the mirror and, and I'm going to tell you, I wasn't Govinda Thomas Carter the same one. You know what I'm saying? I was Govinda Thomas Carter, a.k.a. G. Titter now. <laughs> I couldn't be looked at the same, but guess what? How I'm looked at now, that's how I needed to be looked at. Because before, I looked like other people. And I thought I was other people. And I would cut who I really was off. So now, first time I couldn't hide from myself, physically, mentally, artistically, and consciously. And not only that, when people saw me, they knew it was something different. I remember, I, you know, as soon as I got it done, there was this girl who worked there and I, I had snot in my nose. I'm like crying. I'm exhausted. My whole body's like, you know, like tingling still. And I remember I was just out of it. And she was like, you know, you look so beautiful. And I said, what? You know what I'm saying? It wasn't about like, she said the art on my neck and the way I was just, it was beautiful. Uh-huh. And at that point I realized the last month leading up to the point that I got my whole neck tatted for 18 hours in this pain and whatever was beautiful because I walked out of there more stronger, more powerful, like more sensitive to everything, to the air I'm breathing. (laughs) Right. Where it's like, Oh, I want to go make music. I want to go be an artist. I want to go be a dad because I'm moving closer to who I am when I'm an artist and when I'm a dad. But that art is me. My kids are me. So when I love them better, I love myself better. When I'm sensitive to them, sensitive, I'm sensitive to myself. Right? I don't need to be numb. You know what I'm saying? I need to be emotional and understand these emotions and control these emotions. So I can make better decisions to get better emotions in the future. You understand? Because if I want to be numb to all this and not, how am I going to really feel what's going on right now to understand how I need to feel later or what I need to change to feel better in the future? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so your pain, your pain brought you to your purpose. It was, yes. it brought something out of you more more beautiful out of you be- to really break down the doors to your real self. So basically every time I went through an experience, it broke down a door to see who I was. Because I think once we come into this world, everything around us starts trying to shape us and tell us what we should be. And, you know, and it's a mixture, right? Well, you know, but at the end of the day, we might lose who we are through that process of growing up and becoming an adult. And I was one of those people that lost that and I had to connect back to that right to understand who I was and who I am right and every time that happened it hurt it was uncomfortable it was messed up I was lonely or I felt pain or I was homeless or you know what I'm saying but at the end of the day there's still some walls and I'm still learning I'm still growing and I still need to be better at the end of the day but to get here I had to knock those walls down and that was the painful part but the gratifying part and the powerful part and the beautiful part and the effed up part. Uh, Does that make sense?
So yeah, I because feel, oh, go ahead. Because now you have what four beautiful kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you live with your girlfriend, fiance. Yeah. You do music. You paint. So those are your, those are the actions that you took to get yourself out of that situation that you were in. But it, but, it helped. But 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 I guess what I want to say too is. The main, the main thing about that is you have to figure out what makes life okay for you right now, right? Right. Right. I think that was the most part. So when things are bad, it's like, okay, well, if everything's bad, what can I control to make things right right now, right? And then to my life right now, it's better. But the reason why it's better because I'm a good dad and I'm a good artist. Better, right? Or, you know, a good, you know, family man or whatever it is, right? All this fits into that. Getting closer to ourselves. like Yeah. Down, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so one of the things that helped me too, that I gained in this experience that I, my spirituality came into effect, right? When these process or, or, or these events start occurring, right? So one of the things in my spirituality was, or is that if it's not right inside yourself, you can't expect it to be right in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that really helped me, right, is to get closer to myself is to understand whatever you don't like in the world, whatever you don't understand in the world, understand it here before you want to have negative feelings towards it out there. Yeah. Your spirit, your spirit's got to feel good about it. They got to feel good about it or okay with it. So, you know, I like, for example, I didn't really like money. Like, you know, once I really understood money and how it works and I didn't really know if I wanted it, I didn't know how to, you know, like I, I had a lot of it at one point. I didn't know if I liked it or if it was better. Like, you know, it was weird for me. Yeah. I had to understand that within myself to make it okay out there. And once I did that, I got closer to myself. Right. And then realized I ain't got to worry about me. I got to worry about that. Worry about what you love and what you want to work hard at because then the money will come. Work hard at what you love and want to do. And the byproduct of that will bring money. Right. Follow Mm -hmm. your heart. And your heart will make sure you have everything you need to pursue what the heart wants, (laughs) right? But I didn't know that before. So I believe now the world has to accept you as an artist. Your community has to accept you as an artist. You have to accept yourself as an artist first before your community or anybody else can accept you as an artist before you even have a chance to make it and be big. So when I was home, like, I could be homeless and people would say, you know what, you're a good artist or you're a good person. I could help you in some kind of, you know what I'm saying? Just because they know I'm an artist and I don't want to help. I'm trying to help myself, right? So it's okay in myself first before it's okay out there. Does that make sense? I know it might be a little, but that's what I realized in these experiences to help me be okay with um, difficult situations, complex situations. I I always believe that you need spirituality to have some type of balance or grounding in life. Mm-hmm. Um, the spirit, it, it, it talks to you, but you have to, you have to pay attention to it because it'll talk to you in ways that you might not see. You might not see it. And, mm-hmm. and the spirit, it could be, it could be a spirit inside of you talking to you, talking to your heart. It could be something that you might've read like just one verse, one line. It mm. could be something that you saw in a movie and it's speaking to you. Mm-hmm. The spirit will have a profound effect on 
what you are trying to do in life, but you have to be conscious to catch the spirit when it talks to you. And if you're worried about too many things, right? I, I believe you won't hear it. You won't. You if won't. you're too concerned about things that don't matter and you can't control, you'll never hear it. You know, so, so I just want to say I agree with you. And, and I, you know, I just want to just take it a step, you know, to another place where I, I believe our body is an antenna. It's one big antenna. Like, we're here to pick up frequencies, to feel, to give vibrations, to you know, hear, <laughs> you know, like that's all we're here for. Our, like our brain is a computer. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really one big biocomputer. Right. Come to the mic. Like our brain is one big biocomputer, right? So it's like we are programmed a certain way. It's not our fault. We have influences that make us a certain way. It's not our fault, right? But there's a way we could reprogram them and make ourselves better, right? So it's like love is my religion, right? Is mm -hmm. my spirituality. So I know if you give love and you approach things with love, Right. Even if you're defending yourself, you know, God forbid you got to hurt somebody because you're defending something you love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all for love. Right. So if you love yourself, you're going to give love to people, attract love, and you'll be lovable and you'll never have to look for love. And if you got love in your life, you can get through anything. <laughs> yeah. Love, love, love cures all things. Love cures all. But I'm a, you touched on one good subject. I mean, you've touched on a lot of good subjects, but one another subject that stands out to me is you said energy. Mm -hmm. And I had um I have read a book. I read a book quite some time ago. Um Jamie Hector had put me onto this book about it's about um energy and people who and people the energy that they they possess. You can walk into a room and there can be certain people that that come off good energy. Those are the energies that you want to be around. It's, it's again, it's it's about being conscious. It's about what we talk about about the spirit. The spirit knows where the energy is. You know, like the antenna. You know, it signals out. You can, if you catch that signal, that spirit, it'll talk to you where the energy is at. It takes a lot of work into finding that spirit and finding who you are. But most importantly, being around the right energy. You want to be around the energy that's vibracious, that that the vibe is so bright and colorful that you you feel like you can connect with that person. Energy is it's so important. There are different types of energy that you want to be around. You know, everybody knows the good energy, the bad energy, but Low there's energy, also high energy. Yeah. yeah. And those all have some type of profound effect on you as a person it has an effect on your spirit mm -hmm. and i think that's one thing that people who deal with mental health it, it's hard to it's hard to find that that mm -hmm. type of energy because your mind is so cloudy with the darkness and you're overthinking and you're worrying and then you got somebody that says something negative to you and you just become so secluded that you just don't know what to do or where to go mm -hmm. But you have to have you have to have that clear mind, that signal up to really, you know, find out where's a good source of energy. Yes, yes. yes. And going back to what you first said, it could be right there in front of you.
Yes. No. Yes. And just to go back to that experience where I had to choose two things that saved my life. It was right in front of me. <laughs> my son and my heart. I was sleeping on the studio floor. Right. It's right in front of me. And my son is right. Like, those are the two things. That's all you need. Yeah. Those are the answers. Right. So. So just to say, like, the energy is so important because I realized looking back on everything after a lot of analyzing. I realized that the thing that triggered my depression, my mental illness was energy that made me feel like I couldn't win or I couldn't progress or there was no why try. Right. And I look back and it's like, okay, well, what kind of environment was I in? I was in, not say every low income community is like this or apartment complex, but I was in a low income apartment complex that said that had an energy of why try? Why? We can't win. Yeah, we're black. We're we're poor. This is what we want to do. We want to do hood all day. We want to have drama in the parking lot. Baby mama's fighting baby mom. This is what we want. So that's my environment. And then I'm not with no family. And then I'm not with no other man. And then I'm not with no other artist. Right. So it's like that's when I said, okay, I want different energy. I'd rather be around artists because artists actually have different. The artists that I am that I attract, we have different energy. We want to connect. We want to build. We want to make some shit that ain't shit hurt. We want to do some crazy stuff as artists. You know what I'm saying? We want to do, that's energy. So when I said, oh, and then you're around your family and your kids, that's energy. So those two things is like, oh, I went from not having or not even realizing or not even being aware to being like, no, 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 no. I'm make a conscious choice to surround myself with this energy, artists and family. And once I'm out of that, I can expect it and put my guard up and be whatever I got to be. But when I'm in that, I want to be in that energy. Yeah. Because that's the energy that makes me feel like I could overcome anything. That's the energy that makes me feel like I can't lose. That's the energy that makes me feel like I'm better than what I thought I was. Or I could be better than what I am today. And it's okay. Right? So it's like energy is such a thing where we have to look and say, okay, why do we feel this energy? Why do we have this energy and be real about it, right? So it's like, I had to look at my environment and say, if I'm a product of my environment, if I'm a part of my environment and this is what I'm in, I got to get out of this and then change. <laughs> but you can't change in the environment you're in. It's like, you know what I'm like so what I want to say is like, that energy is something where I'm so used to that good energy now if I feel any other energy, you know, I recoil. I, you know what I'm saying? What is that? I don't want that. Wait, wait, put that back over there. I'm cool. No, yeah. what happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's the difference. If you're conscious about it, then you can see, oh, wait, your energy's all bad. You know, I, I wish you had a better day. I just want you to be okay. I'm going to be over here with my good energy. And energy, is a, it's, energy is a source of life. Exactly. Exactly. So as an artist, like, my life is if I'm able to create art, right, then I'm good. But I have to have good energy and have to have love to do that. So this is how I keep it. Let me ask you this. With, with energy, did you, did you find that you had to forgive people in order to keep that yeah. energy, that same energy? And yeah, how, this- how hard was it to forgive those who, you know, hurt you? Um, might have said things and you know how how 
how did it help you? Forgiving and that's people. The thing about energy. Like if if you don't forgive people, you'll spend energy trying to justify why you're not forgiving. Them. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if you really care about somebody and you really love somebody and you don't forgive them, there's gonna be times where you say, Oh, well. Oh, I should give them. No, you shouldn't. That's energy wasted, right? And that's energy that keeps your energy low, right? Rather than see, my thing is, I will put myself in somebody's shoes fully as much as I can. It might take me a week, for example. Why is this person, why would they do that? Why would I do that to somebody? Why would I do whatever they did? Why would I do it if I was them? And then once you really understand that, you go from being angry to having sympathy right to be like man i feel man something's wrong like for one of my partners to steal money not to say that ever happened but if one of my partners stole money from me i would say well i love him and he loved me what would i have to do to steal money from somebody i love that was my partner oh he might be in a tough situation you know what i'm saying yeah maybe i should ask him if i should help him you know what i'm saying like i once you really put yourself in somebody's shoes nobody wants to be effed up Right. Did you forgive, have you forgiven family, you know, pops? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I could forgive somebody and be real about the consequences of having them in my life at the same time. Right. And also make a choice and say, maybe I want that. Maybe I don't. So with my dad, I love him. Right. And when I went through my journey as a man, it really forced me to reconcile my negative feelings with him. It really forced me to put myself in his shoes and understand, you know, after having kids, what would I have to do? What would I have to be like to treat my son or to raise my son like my dad raised me, right? And then whether I know the facts or not, I know that no parent grows up wanting to be a subpar father or a deadbeat dad. Not saying my dad was, right? But I'm just saying no man grows up wanting to you know, no boy grows up like telling his friends, yeah, I'm going to be an effed up dad, bro. I can't wait. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, if you have any animosity towards your parents, it's not their fault, man. Like, they didn't grow up. Like, I want my dad, well, I can't wait till, my, till I have a son and he mad because I didn't do something. You know, no, nobody does that. Right? So, it's like, once you understand that, you got to let it go. We, we are imperfect people mm-hmm. right? who are trying to coexist uh relate link and connect like that's just how it goes <laughs> <laughs> some connections gonna work some ain't some gonna backfire some gonna misfire some gonna but hey it's connected we still connected you know what I'm saying? it's like it's like that that connection to your brake light that don't work like two lights work one light don't work but we're like, all connected like, <laughs> 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 we what we want me to do <laughs> you know like so it's like it's like look like it took me a while to realize that you know what i'm saying because i had to realize my imperfections as a father right and say you know i'm not i'm I'm not perfect like you know what i'm saying like there's probably things i could do better with my son and every time i figure that out i try but if i'm not perfect how could i expect him to be perfect you know what i'm saying (laughs) like right so when you put yourself in somebody else's shoes which is the highest form of love that's the highest quality of love you can give somebody. It's just taking time to understand why do they do what they do? 
right? If if I if I to know somebody is to love, you can't love somebody if you don't know somebody, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever it's family and it's that close, right? You have to go through the process of the highest form of love, right? And that's all I'm talking about. When you put yourself in their shoes and you say, okay, what were they going through? What was their relationship like with their daddy? Who taught them how to be a platinum daddy? Oh, nobody. Well, why do you expect them to be an A1 daddy? I don't know. It doesn't make sense, right? So it's like, I think we put unrealistic expectations on individuals. How about that? Even if whoever, if they did as, if, if they do right by us or wrong by us, we put unexpect, un, unreasonable expectations on individuals. Especially the one we love. Oh, I can't believe they did that. And he said he loved me. Well, do you love him? Do you know why? Do you know what he did that day? Do you know what he was going through the last three months? Do you know what his daddy was like? Do you know? Okay, well, you don't. So what do you expect him to be? But you love him. But you love him, right? And I've had women in my life, right, who had to show me love. And one of the things they showed was like, look, if you love me, you got to understand why I did what I did. Is it hard for you? Is it hard for you to show to show other people love? Now, no. Now, no. But before, yes. Right. It's it's a process that I'm still learning and getting better at, but I'm a lot better than what I was, right? Because I start with this. Anything I don't like, I start with this. Let me understand what I don't like before I sit there and say I don't like it again. Right, because if you just sit there and say I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it, we all know you ain't learn shit. But if you say I don't like it because this, that, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the tenth, or whatever, you okay? Well, nigga, don't like it. I get it. But if you're just gonna sit there and say you don't like some, then you might be one of the people who just see some and not like it, and then see some else and like it, see some again and you like it. Like you're doing anything. What's your reasoning? What's your confirmation? Confirm your feelings. If you want to impress me, I tell all my little homies this. If you want to impress me, bro, stay out your feelings. Confirm your feelings. Don't be emotional. I'll be impressed. They got to show me 10 racks. They got to show me the rooms. They got to show me your little I, I, IG chick. They about your emotions. That impressed me. Oh, my God. I'd be so impressed. <laughs> That's the highest form of love. it is love love is is the answer and there are so many forms of love that you could show you could just show love just by you know greeting someone just smiling and saying hello and you don't even know you don't know them and 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 the reason why that's love is because if you was a stranger in that moment at that time and place you're doing what you want that person to do to you that's love and I, I think that's the thing about mental health you got to find ways to break what you're thinking because yeah. what you're thinking might not really be what yes. you what you thought yes and so that's why i say love is it has so many different levels man i think you know mm-hmm. it's not just saying i love you to a person your spouse, your family member, it's, it's showing love, like, mm-hmm. you know, to a complete stranger that you don't know mm-hmm. that 
you have come across with. And again, it's energy, you know, you could be just by saying that, you know, a good morning, how you doing? You just pass along some energy to somebody else. Yeah. And you can have brightened their morning. You could have helped start their day just by saying something so simple as good morning or waving with a smile. You know, it's that love that you want to you want to throw across to somebody so that they can catch it and give it to the next person. I I appreciate you because like this is dope. Keep doing your thing. I'm so proud of you. You're such a role model in our family, fam. And uh, I'm going to be out there soon, man. You know, I don't think I'm going to see you soon. fam. No, we're going to connect. We're going to connect soon, man. We're going to connect so our kids can can meet each other and and we're going to see each other. other, All type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know. You know how to do, man. All right, Chris. I love you, man. I love you too, man. It's another episode of Michael Motivates. Thank you for listening. God bless.